name of my message this morning is Radical Mercy. Radical Mercy. And uh, as I was going through, you know, what I was going to minister to the Lord this morning and with uh, the passing of Pastor Lou, how many know Pastor Lou had Radical Mercy? Really did. He, uh, he loved people, never had a bad word to say about anybody. He had mercy on everybody, just like Patty was talking this morning about the young man that she's seen in the pizza place. Jeez. Mercy came forth. When you came, went back the second time, mercy came forth. So, When I was a young man, uh, I don't even know if my kids even know about this, but when I was a young man, I was, uh, I played a lot of sports, mostly basketball, because at that time I was tall, now I'm short. <laughs> and uh, we took a, we didn't take jump shots, James, <laughs> we went like this, but uh, I played a lot of basketball, a lot of baseball in New York City. I played high school baseball, high school basketball, and um, I was around 16 years old when um, they had open tryouts. The Detroit Tigers came um, to New York and they had open tryouts. And they went to the local high schools and the local uh, YMCA at that time, YMCA ball, PAL ball, Police Athletic League. Uh, American Legion at that time had uh, a baseball league. And they wanted some young men at 16 and above to come out, whoever they select, the YMCA, whoever, to go out and play, try out. So the YMCA, I was playing YMCA ball and high school ball, and they said, you know, well, Phil, why don't you go out and try out for the Detroit Tigers? And I said, oh, geez, this is, this is wonderful. I'm going to go to the Detroit Tigers. I'm going to be a major league baseball player. Now, I wasn't a bad ball player. I was a first baseman. I was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. Uh, I loved the Dodgers. Uh, Jackie Robinson was my hero at that time. I, I still got his picture that I had in my office for 20-something years. And, um, but anyway, I was a first baseman. I could feel well, I thought. Pretty good hitter, so-so hitter. So we went to the tryouts, and when I got there, it was out on Long Island, and when I got there, uh, all these young men were there, high school, college players, they were all there, and we did our sprints, and we did all our, what we were supposed to do, all our calisthenics and everything else, and it was time to take your shots at the bat. So. They said, you've got to take three, four swings, then you're going to bunt, you're going to go to first base. You run the first base. Well, I'm up there. I'm ready for this guy. Over. I'm not hitting this guy. I'm not hitting this guy. 
I said, well, okay. Now I'll show them my fielding skills. So then they put us out on the field, and they're going to hit, you know, to the third baseman, shortstop, second baseman, and they got to throw over the first base. Well, they hit one down in the third baseman, and that third baseman picks up the ball. Man, he throws it to me, and I'm there. Whew! Hit the, glo hit the glove, and my glove flew off. Make a long story short, I never made it. I struck out, couldn't catch the ball, and I never made it. My chance to become a major league baseball player ended. How many know I had my chance? But how many know that there are a number of things that we do in life which we have only one chance. We have only one chance to get it right. For example, if you borrow money from a bank or if you borrow money from a friend and you don't pay it back, you probably won't get another chance to borrow money again. They're not going to give you the money anymore. Or if you invite all your friends to your house and you say, we're going to have a big party. And when everyone shows up for the party, you said, I decided I don't feel like having a party tonight. So why don't you come back another night? More than likely, your friends are not coming back for the party. And if any of these cases... An appeal was made that says, I'll do better the next time. You said, well, I'll do better the next time. More than likely, the appeal would be ignored. The people are not going to believe you. Well, I'll do better the next time. They'll ignore the second chance, and you will be, not be denied a second chance. This is because everyone pretty much expects me to get it right the first time. And how many know we don't, really don't blame those people who expect you to get it right the first time? Let me give you one more example. I have one chance this morning. One chance this morning to deliver a message that God has put on my heart. One chance. But what if after I finished ministering this, uh, this morning, I were to say, you know what, people? I think I can do better. So how about we all stay an extra two hours? And uh, don't worry about lunch. Don't worry about the roast that's in the oven. Just stay, and I'll, I'll do better. Because I'm, I'm sure you'll enjoy it more the second time around. I don't think that's going to go over very well. Maybe my wife will stay. Maybe Gail will stay. G-Marie got her hand lifted. She'll stay. George may stay because I have the key to the car. Carrot, thank you. 
I have the key to the car to go home. So they have to stay. They have no choice. They have to stay. Because everyone pretty much expects me to get it right the first time. You see, there are many situations, saints, in life where we only have one chance. And even if you need a second chance, it's just not available. You had one shot. I had one shot. I blew it. You had one shot. You blew it. And that's all there is to it. This is the way it is in many areas of life. And there is nothing a lot of people can do about it. But the good news is that the Lord works a lot differently. God works a lot differently. Now, how many know we don't deserve a second chance, but we get one? And there's a story in the Bible that illustrates this, tr this truth. And you've probably heard it since you were a small child. Because that's probably the, the Bible story that most parents, grandparents, I remember giving this Bible story to my grandson, the story of Jonah. Went in a well, and then he spit him up. Jonah, the prophet, the man of God, great, great prophet. God tells him, I want you to go to Nineveh, the wicked city. I want you to preach to the people. Have them repent. It's a wicked, wicked city. They would take children and kill them for the, the gods. They were brutal people, extremely wicked. John, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go deliver the word of the Lord to those people. They don't deserve it. So what does he do? He gets on a boat and he has... Fatoshis, another city which is basically in the other direction. How many know sometimes God tells us to do something? Well, I don't think so, God. I'm going this way. Went the other direction. Once the boat gets in the middle of the sea, storm comes along. And the boat starts to sink. The sailors say, we got to get rid of this dude that's in the, the prophet down there. This backslidden prophet. Because when we get rid of him, the storm will stop. So let's go down there and get rid of him. And they throw him overboard. They throw the prophet, the man of God, overboard. Believe it or not, getting tossed overboard was Jonah's own idea. He said, I'd rather die. 
He knew he was running from God. And apparently he decided he would rather die than repent. I mean, there's some people who would rather die than repent. He would rather die than repent. So he allowed himself to be thrown into the sea. Now, I'm sure everyone thought that was the end of Jonah. But how many know God always has another plan? And God had another plan. A great big fish came along and swallows up Jonah. You might have thought it was a whale, but the Bible says it was a fish. This was a big fish. Okay? Then the Bible says, three days later, in chapter 2, verse 10, in the NIV Bible, I'm reading an NIV, Lou, forgive me. <laughs> but I'm reading in the NIV Bible this morning. <laughs> All right? This is what he said. The Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry ground. He vomited him, not spit, he vomited him. The very next verse, saints, is one of the most encouraging verses in all of Scripture. Chapter 3, verse 1, because the, the, the story goes, it doesn't go from chapter to chapter when you really, the story keeps on going. So in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a what? Second time. Everybody say second time. Jonah got a second chance from God, which he didn't deserve, but he got it. He got a second chance. Saints, this is God's mercy at work. This is what he does. Even if we blow it the first time, God gives us a chance to try and try again. This is good news because without exception, we all need a second chance from time to time. We all do it. We all blow it. Oh, I blew it today, God. Ha, okay, don't worry about it. Repent. And go on again. I got a job for you. I got a plan for your life. I've called you. Patty went, and what happened? God spoke to her. Come back. Ah, oh, Patty. I oh, know, God, I should have went. <laughs> Get a second chance. He knew that guy needed somebody. That's what, that's what he told him. And he knew he put it in your heart. <clears throat> so today I want to examine God's radical mercy. 
and his radical mercy that's at work. And we're going to, exp- we're going to consider how experience firsthand should affect, listen to me, saints, our attitude towards ourselves and to other people. Our attitude to ourselves and other people. Now, there's only one way to interpret Jonah's behavior. He sinned. Come on, saints. He sinned. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, no, I'm not going. I'm not going. I don't care what you say. Uh, I could be a problem. I'm not going. And we'll find out really what he was thinking about near the end of the word. He didn't agree with God's instructions. He didn't agree what God told him to do. He was a prophet. He was a great prophet. He didn't agree. He ran from his commitment. This prophet, this man of God, ran from his commitment. Regardless, it boils down to the fact that Jonah didn't want to do what God told him to do. And he ran away to avoid from doing it. But in Jonah's story, we learn an important truth. God could have given up on Jonah. Some may even say God should have given up on Jonah. But God was merciful to Jonah. He gave him a second chance. Say it again. Second chance. He gave him a second chance. The story of Jonah teaches us that God's mercy is greater than our sin and there are simply some things our sin cannot change. There's some things that we do that cannot, that God's plan for our life cannot change. It is God's nature to give a second chance. Nothing can change that. He forgives and lets you try again. Now, how many know your boss may not give you a second chance, but God will? Your coach may not give you a second chance, but God will. The Detroit Tigers may not give you a second but God will. He'll give you a second chance for what he's called you to do. Your spouse may not give you a second chance, but God will. He is the God of a second chance. His mercy, saints, is greater than our sin. You see, we tend to think in human terms. We all think in human terms. We make the mistake of thinking that once we have blown it, once we've made that big mistake, we can never get back on track that God can never use us again. And the story of Jonah tells us simply that that is not true. If there is a time in your life that you have spent running from God and you are now ready to come back, 
God is willing to pick up where you've left off. <coughs> He's the God of a second chance. If you've blown it once, it doesn't mean you've blown it forever. God's mercy is greater. He will bring you back to the place he wants you to be, period. It all becomes part of the past. And there are some things your past sin doesn't change. So I want to talk about three of those things right now. That your, <clears throat> your past sin doesn't change. Number one. It doesn't change God's plan for your life. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. So God is obviously talking to him. That I give you. God told Jonah to do the same thing here in chapter 3 that he told him in chapter 1. Go to Nineveh and preach. Now, Jonah's disobedience didn't change God's plan for Jonah's life. Come on, say somebody say amen here this morning. Nineveh still needed to hear the word of God. And Jonah was still God's man for that job. <coughs> he had to go back. Once Jonah got his heart right with God, God was ready to put his plan back into action. Again and again, saints, throughout Scripture, we see how God was able to use people after they committed major sins. And they messed up. Abraham... Try to get his wife to commit adultery. Hey, hey, buddy, you know what? This is my sister. It really isn't my wife. Oh, hey, but this is my sister. You could take her. Hello? Abraham. We can't forget Moses. He committed murder. And yet what? God used him. King David. Hello. The big one. Adultery. Murder. God used him again. You see, saints, some may try to run away from God at some point. At some point in their life. But once they stop running, God's plan goes back into effect. If you got a pen, write these little things that I just picked up, these little nuggets. If you have a pencil, you don't, you know, well, just keep them in your mind. The quickest way to delay your destiny is to disobey God. The quickest way to delay what God really has for your life the destiny that he has for your life 
quickest way is just disobey what God says to you. Don't let your setback set you back. Come on. Don't let your setback set you back. Don't let your mess mess you up. There's a lot of people walking around letting the mess that came into life mess them up. Put the dove on your head. Let it be a setup for a great comeback. Saints, don't miss your destiny because of a detour. Because when you focus on your history, you will miss your destiny. Somebody say amen. Amen. (coughs) Come on, don't let your mess mess you up. Don't make that stinking thinking mess you up. You walk around with stinking thinking. I can't make it. I can't do it. I messed up back there. I did this. uh, No way God could use me. The second thing you have passed mistakes It doesn't change God's power. (laughs) It does not change God's power. Jonah went to Nineveh, did what he was supposed to do. He walked through the streets of Nineveh, proclaimed the word of God. And as a result, if you look at verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. They all repented, from the king all the way down to the lowest servants. The whole, everybody repented. Just because Jonah disobeyed God doesn't mean God's word lost its power. (laughs) Once he got back, into the place that God wanted him to be. Once he began pursuing God's plan for his life, he was able to experience God's power. Just look at examples from Scripture. While Jesus was facing death, and he's on the cross, the apostle Peter, the rock, abandoned him. Left him to die all alone. The apostle Peter, not once, not twice, three times, three times. He was asked if he was a disciple of Jesus. And each time, Peter denied ever even having known the man, even having known Jesus Christ. I don't know. And you know what he did? I don't know the blankety blank. That's what he said. He cursed. Don't know him. And as Christ was being led to his death, Peter warmed himself by the fire with Roman soldiers and swore to all those who could hear. I don't know the man. 
Jesus overheard Peter's denial. And the Bible says in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, when Peter spoke these words, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And in verse 62, he said that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. Some follower of Christ this guy was. He ran from Jesus at a time, come on, saints, that Jesus needed him the most. Peter was supposed to be the leader. Some example, he was. Saints, this is a major offense. It's so easy. This was a major offense. It wasn't like Peter got caught with his hand in the basket, in the offering plate. Or he got caught coming out of an R-rated movie. This was a big deal for Peter. Peter committed the worst sin imaginable. He called down curses on himself and denied having anything to do with Jesus. How could he expect to have any credibility as a leader ever again? How could he expect to experience God's power ever again? How could he expect to be anything other than a second-class Christian, banished to some, some sort of spiritual exile, never to be seen or heard from again? And yet, even after Peter denied Christ, he experienced saints, the power of God in his life in a dramatic, dramatic way. On the day of Pentecost, Peter spoke and three thousand people were saved. <coughs> a few days later, as Peter is approaching the gate of the temple, he sees a crippled man. And it says, in the name, he put his hand out, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk! And the man got up and walked and praised God running into the temple. The power of God, saints, was so evident in Peter's life that people brought the sick into the streets so that when Peter walked by, his shadow would heal them. How can God use this? <clears throat> now we worry about little things. Oh, God can't use me no more. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pity me. <clears throat> Peter's sin, excuse me, <clears throat> did not change God's power. When Peter got back on track, he was again able to experience God's power in his life. And it was the same with Jonah. And it's the same saints with us today. Just because you may have failed God in some area of your life doesn't mean that you are forever lost the ability to experience God's power. God's mercy 
is greater than your failure. Somebody needs to say that to God's mercy. Everybody say, God's mercy is greater than my failure. Hallelujah. The third thing, your past failure cannot change. It doesn't change God's promises. Doesn't. Doesn't change his promises. We know that Nineveh was a sinful city. God was ready to destroy it. They were sinful. They were bad. He was willing, however, to give them another chance. And he sent Jonah to make them a promise. If you repent, your city will not be destroyed. People of Nineveh repented. And the Bible says in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, when God saw that they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had what? Compassion on them and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. God's promise is, if you repent, you will be saved. Nothing can change that. It's a promise. Why do I say, it's a promise. So when Jonah preached repentance, the people repented and were saved from certain destruction. The amazing thing is that this made Jonah angry. I don't like the idea now. Jonah didn't think it was fair. See, he thought that from the beginning. That's why he didn't want to go. But forget he was a prophet. He said, I really don't want to go because I know what you're going to do, God. You're going to give him a second chance. And sometimes that's why we don't want to talk to somebody because I don't want to really give that guy a second chance because I really don't like them. I knew how they were before. Hello. I remember years ago when I was going to a church with an ex-drug addict, 22, 23 years old, whatever he was. And uh, somebody stopped me and said, so where do you go to church? Oh, I go to so-and-so. Oh, is that uh, so-and-so who's the preacher there? I says, yep. Yeah, I won't go there. I knew him when. I remember when he was a drug addict. I wouldn't go near it. See, that's what happened. That was our human thinking. I'm not going to give him a second chance. I'm not even going to give him a chance. He gets mad at God for showing the same mercy that he had showed Jonah just a little bit earlier. Jonah didn't argue with God when he was forgiven, but he didn't like it when Nineveh got off the hook. Isn't that like us? Isn't that so much you would like us? 
Oh, I'm saved. Hallelujah. I speak in tongues. I dance. Glory to God. But I don't know if that guy needs to be saved. That guy never gets saved. Get out of here. Oh, come on. Hallelujah. See, that's because Jonah had suddenly become something. He became self-righteous. People, saints, there are people who need to hear the word of the Lord out there. There are some of us who think other people's sins are worse than our own. That we deserve to be forgiven, but other people don't. Come on. Am I speaking the truth this morning? Or this? And in chapter 4, God deals with, uh, with that sin in Jonah's life. And I'm going to read it to you in the NIV Bible. You don't mind, do you? Oh, hallelujah. I remember when I asked somebody to get me this Bible. It, matter of fact, it was Lou's secretary, uh, who used to be his secretary, Mimi. And she works at a bookstore. I says, Mimi, I need an NIV Bible. Oh, don't, Pastor. Don't tell me you need an NIV Bible. I says, yeah. She says, you sure? I, see, I says, yes, I'm, I'm sure. Okay. She's got a, and she got a beautiful Bible, too, all leather. Nice. Gorgeous. Put my name in gold. Lou, forgive me. I'm going to read chapter 4 for you because it's real short. That's your pamphlet. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? See, here's the problem. That, it, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were going to do this. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending, from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I really don't even want to see this. What you're doing, this good thing you're doing, I don't even want to see it. Just kill me. <clears throat> for it is better for me to die than to live. And then he sat under the, I, I'm lost here. Okay. But the Lord replied, it is right for you to be angry. Jonah had gone out, sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a sh shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. I'm waiting here. Hey, <laughs> he's going to really destroy it. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant. He made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head. He was a bald guy. So, Mike, we could relate. He made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah now is very happy about the plant. Oh, this is nice. Thank you, God. You just, oh, this is great. Oh, he, oh just God. Oh, I'm basking in it. I'm saved. I'm I feel so good. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. How about he'll provide something? Which chewed the plant so that it withered. 
And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry I wish I were dead. I'm angry at the plant. I was happy when you gave it to me. Now I'm angry. I'm happy you gave me this great wife. But now, after 10 years, I'm not so happy. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And also even the animals. In spite of Jonah's sin, God's promises remain the same. If you repent, you will be forgiven. And this replies to everyone the same. God shows no favoritism. There may be times in your life when you're beaten down by your own failure and you think, I don't deserve to be forgiven. Yet God's promise is just as true for you as it is for everyone else. If they repent, they will be forgiven. It's as true today as it ever was. Amen? Saints, there are a number of lessons that we can learn from the story of Jonah. Number one is that if you try to run from God, you'll likely end up in the belly of a whale. Not a pretty sight. You're better off not running in the first place. Another lesson we could get from Jonah is that if you run from God, he will do whatever he has to do to get you back where he wants you to be, which may involve getting puked up by a fish on dry ground. Again, not a pleasant experience. You're better off not running. And yet another lesson we learned from Jonah is that even if you run from God, and I hope you never have and never will, but even if you do, that doesn't mean God is finished with you. When you're ready to stop running, God will help pick you up and help you where, we, where you left off. God's mercy, hallelujah, is greater than our failure or any sin that we may commit. It isn't based on what you deserve to receive. It is based on what God is willing to give. That's why it's called radical mercy.
When you repent from failure of sin, and your sin is forgiven, and those sins become part of the past, say, I'm not talking to the choir here. Past sins cannot prevent you from pursuing God's plan for your life. There are people today who have words of the Lord that have run away from God. But God still has a plan for their life. If only they would just repent. Past sins cannot prevent you from the benefits of God's promise for your lives. If you ever run from God, listen closely to me today. The word of God is coming to you a second time. It's coming to you a second time. Give the Lord some praise.